Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Can you believe this? Looking to push tempo here, the Pelicans. Hold that follow through. That's right. This is what takes you to another level. Welcome in and what the Pell is up, everybody. This is Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans with your host, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. Before we get started today, make sure you subscribe and or follow depending on where you are listening to this podcast. You leave a rate and review if you're on Apple Podcasts and you tell a friend about the pod because that always helps us out when you're talking with your friends about the Pelicans and you share this podcast with them that's of course always appreciated it from us here at believe in the new orleans pelicans and it's been a long few days of press conferences with the team i wanted to make sure we got a lot of these in not necessarily as many as we did but if you follow me on twitter you did see i went home this weekend and saw my family for the first time so first time in some of them since february so appreciate your patience on that front but, uh, you know, got to put some priorities and, and put some things into perspective, especially when we're in the situation we're in as a society. So, again, appreciate your, your your patience. And if you follow along on Twitter, like I said, you've seen some of the stuff. I've been able to live tweet some of the press conferences. So I'm going to just break down some of that. But also we did get the Pelicans new part of the schedule, the first half of the schedule for this season. So we'll talk a little bit about that today as well. But we're going to start off with some of these press conferences. We did have one media sessions, kind of how I refer to them on Twitter, but press conferences, you can say as well. We did have one today, didn't get much from it, but we'll talk about that too. So some of the things that we've learned in the last few days, specifically uh, one here from Stan Van Gundy is the fact that the team focused on defense, defense, and some more defense yesterday on Sunday, their first practice, and focused strictly on defense. And when SVG talked about it with the media, he said typically on his first day with a new team or, or at the beginning of a season, he likes to install some new offensive principles or install the offense period because he's with an entirely new team and they don't know his offense. So Typically, also, what he likes to do is use the new offensive sets to install some new defensive principles. But SVG said that yesterday was strictly defense, entirely defense, on, of course, on Sunday as we're recording this on Monday afternoon. But wow, I know a lot of people in the Pelicans media absolutely loved that, myself included, and a big reason why Stan Van Gundy was brought into New Orleans is for that defense, for the accountability, and we've heard a lot about that, about those two things in the media sessions that we've been given, but SVG is not just talking talk, he is walking that walk when it comes to installing defense and instilling that, the importance of it with this team he knows he's got a young team he knows he's got a team that has a lot of potential but hasn't done a whole lot in the last few years specifically the Pelicans franchise obviously struggled this last season Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe coming from two successful teams and he clearly wants to 
make it clear that he wants to focus on defense. And specifically, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about those roles with Steven Adams that he addressed in today's media session. But to wrap it all up there in terms of defense, he didn't really necessarily get into in too specific with schematics and, and how the practice was run other than the fact that they had about 16 guys available as Will Magne is working on getting his way to New Orleans. I believe it's the same thing with Najee Marshall. And SVG said, I think, something similar about about Willie Hernan Gomez maybe having some sort of recovery from an injury or something. But they didn't have everybody available for those defensive focuses in practice, but defense was a focus. That's for sure. Another thing in the list of things that <laughs> that uh, we as Pelicans fans learned over these last few days in these media ses- sessions is that it kind of got reiterated, I guess, but we, we really heard it directly from JJ speaking to the media, not via his podcast, not via sources, not via tweets or anything like that, but via, S- or via excuse me, JJ himself. He said that this is the team, this is the coach rather, that this team needed in Stan Van Gundy. This team needed a teacher. This team needed a guy who can instill defense. He's got a guy who's been in the league for a while. And those are all three things that Stan Van Gundy is. And it's really, it was really good to just hear it directly from the source, see him say it in front of the media. JJ is not a guy who comes around to pull BS, even to the media, to, to anyone. And, and I've mentioned how much respect I have for JJ on this podcast, but Hearing it directly from him was was awesome, you know, and he he went into a little bit more detail. And you can find all these clips on on YouTube if you want to see it a little bit more. But the thing that really stuck out to me personally, and although I wasn't able to live tweet his press or his media session just a few days ago, that is one thing that stood out to me amongst all the other quotes that we got from these media sessions is... I'll pull it here from Ali Cosell's Twitter. Is Stan Van Gundy is a great fit because he is what this team needs. And we know that to be true. Again, it, it, when it comes to defense, when it comes to accountability, JJ really hitting it home and emphasizing the fact that Stan Van Gundy fits with this roster. And, and to continue on about JJ a little bit, he said that at one point during the the press conference that he said he don't know doesn't know how he got stuck with Stan Van Gundy in camp again in his 15th season or 14th season what what have you i think it was 15th this this year but people rec- screen recorded that and then put it up saying that he's going to request a trade he's literally the dude who advocated for Stan Van Gundy to come to New Orleans shut the hell up okay I'm going to get into that a little bit more when it comes to the schedule, this this little bit of attitude that I have right now. But that's so stupid. Like, oh my gosh. And he was clearly, JJ was clearly being sarcastic. He laughed after, after everything he said. He's probably not that excited about getting into these drills and really getting in condition and, and stuff like that with Stan Van Gundy like he did earlier on in his career. But my gosh. Y'all just want him on your team. These are guys probably from like Brooklyn and Miami and stuff like that. And 
JJ is not going to request a trade. He wanted, he advocated for Stan Van Gundy. He wouldn't have done that if he didn't want him around. That is the dumbest thing I've heard all day at that point in time. All right. That's all I have to say about that. The other thing that, or another thing, I should say, that we learned about this team and about specific players on this team from these media sessions is that Brandon Ingram feels comfortable in a leadership role with this team. While we might not get it directly from Brandon Ingram as to how he you know, behaves with the team and interacts with his teammates because he's just kind of a soft-spoken dude and kind of seems like he's out of it every time he talks to the media. You know, he came in with that that awesome fro and he just kind of is like, he's kind of like Bill Belichick on this team, but we've seen him smile in, in pictures over the last week or so. So that might not be the greatest comp in the world, but he does kind of mumble and he's not super engaged with the media, but apparently he's not like that with the team, which is great to hear. But the thing that really instilled that confidence for him to be a leader on this team, or a couple different things, I should say, is his being paid this offseason. There are a few things that provide confidence for people on this earth, and I think $158 million would do that for just about anybody for over five years, of course. But he, he referenced the fact that being paid this offseason, earning that max with the Pelicans is something that really instilled that confidence in him, made him believe that that, that the, the Pelicans want him, that they're willing to give him that money to keep him around, that they believe in him, that they see him being a part of the future in New Orleans. And I think that's a fair statement. The other thing that B.I. said in terms of why he feels more comfortable in a leadership position this season is that experience from last year. He got a lot of the last-second shots. He was the leading scorer for this team. He won the Most Improved Player Award, and he was the best player in New Orleans last season. I mean, you got to give credit where it's due for Zion, but Brandon Ingram was phenomenal for a longer amount of time. Over the season, 24 points a game, really brought it every single night, showed he could get to his spots, and he's invested. And I say he's invested because, well, one, he signed that contract, but two, his conversations with Stan Van Gundy have clearly, clearly been very good for him and for the team as a whole, not just them, but also Stan Van Gundy. And I'll read this quote from the press conference here that that really got a lot of traction on Twitter, and for good reason. Brandon Ingram says his and Stan Van Gundy's conversations have been about preparation and accountability. He added that the two have talked about getting the best out of everyone on and off the floor, including the coaching staff. He says their conversations have been really good. Again, that was from December 3rd, so before their first practice. But, I mean, look at all the pictures that we've seen. Look at everything that Brandon has been saying. He loves the fact that Stan Van Gundy's there. I think it's it's being apparent, being made apparent that Stan Van Gundy has handed Brandon Ingram the keys and said, this is your team. And justifiably so. Justifiably so. Brandon Ingram's ready to take over to lead. And even though this team brought in Steven Adams, even though this team brought in Eric Bledsoe, Stan Van Gundy even, he and Zion appear to be the two guys on this roster and they're ready to go. 
they're ready to go. Speaking of Zion, hashtag no restrictions, hashtag no motherfucking bursts for Zion Williamson this season. There have been no limitations in practice. He is absolutely thrilled about that. You saw him smile from ear to ear when Andrew Lopez asked him about the lack of limitations in practice so far and going into this season. I didn't want to bite on it, but there's another thing that Stan Van Gundy said about Zion is the fact that he passed his conditioning test with flying colors. Everybody passed their conditioning tests with flying colors, but he and Na said, quote, easily beat their goals, I believe is what he said. I'm, I'm going to redact the quote from what I just said there, but I believe that's what he said. They had the easiest time beating their goals compared to the rest of the team. In terms of fitness, they all passed their fitness test. It was like a three-minute, I don't know, fitness test kind of thing. So that's awesome to hear. And I said I didn't want to bite because we've seen pictures of Zion where he looks uh, skinnier, and then he comes back and he's chunky. And this is the first time we've seen Zion look like Duke Zion in a while, if I do say so myself. You can see it in his face. You can see it in pictures on the court. He is fit. And he is ready to go. And my goodness, do we love that. Holy crap, is that a relief. I mean, we saw Zion last season pretty much be out of shape for a large part of it. Then he came back to the bubble and he was hefty. And now he's thinned up and he looks ready to go. And that is freaking exciting. The other thing... (laughs) That we, I think we already knew about Zion, but I, I still think it's funny, is that he really hit home that he loves basketball, and he's ready to make this team better, and he's ready to go. And there's this, I don't think stigma is the right word, but there's this overarching, I don't know if narrative is the right word either, but you get what I'm saying about Zion, that he's this young, charismatic guy, which he is. I think he's great in situations with his teammates with other players getting to know people coaches stuff like that but he's with the media he's definitely not the most explanatory guy and he does not go in depth at all he's just very surface level tries not to let things in tries not to give too much out and i think that's funny he was very very clear that he loves basketball that he's ready to go for this season and that he's excited and you know they're getting upset over that would be completely unnecessary and saying anything more about it would be stupid. So I think we can glean that Zion is fit, that he's excited for the season and that he wants to keep things in house. And that's totally fine. That's totally fine. A couple more things that I took away from these media sessions these last few days is that Nikhil Alexander-Walker says that he's most he's going to be most comfortable at the two this coming season whether or not he'll actually play that that position specifically is the question we'll just have to see how that plays out but in his media session Nas said that Stan Van Gundy asked him what position he'd like to play this season because we've kind of known Nas as being a one or two kind of guy I think he played the one in college I'm not positive. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but 
He is a little bit lanky to play the one. Obviously, we know Lonzo plays the one, and LeBron played the one this season, but LeBron's arguably the greatest player of all time. So not a fair comparison. But Nikhil Alexander-Walker is a little bit big to play the one, and I think that's a fair statement. We'll have to look at his measurables here. He is 6'5", and his wingspan is 6'9 So... He's a lanky, lanky dude, and playing the one probably isn't necessarily the most conducive thing for him to be super successful in the league. I think he is a, a bona fide two, but he can play the one if if need be. I, I think that's that's totally fine. Anyway, he said that he feels comfortable at both the one and the two, but feels it to be easier to play the two with this team. So Take what you will from that. I think that's semi-fair. It, it all kind of depends on rotations. It all depends on what Lonzo ends up playing more specifically this season, what Josh Hart's going to play. J.J. Redick could be. I mean, so when you, when you look at it from the one, Eric Bledsoe's more than likely going to start at the one. Then you got Kyra. Then you got Lonzo. And those three are probably going to play the point guard position more frequently than anybody else. Play that one position. And then when you look at two, you got Lonzo, you got Nikhil Alexander-Walker, you got Josh Hart, you got J.J. Redick. So that spot is going to be loaded, and it's going to be tough to find time for everybody at that two-guard position, unless Lonzo does play a lot of the one as well. So it'll be dependent on how much Stan Van Gundy believes that he can play Kyra Lewis this season how ready he feels like Kyra Lewis is because if he's not ready, is Lonzo the backup one guard? Is he going to play the two? Is Nikhil Alexander-Walker going to have to play the one? Josh Hart and JJ Redick aren't going to play the run. They're going to be twos. I mean, is Josh Hart going to play some three? Is he strictly going to play a three? Will, J- or, uh, excuse me, will Lonzo Ball get really good at the two and want to stay there? There's a lot of open-ended questions to be gleaned from this. I think his statement was fair, but based on the rest of the roster, what do you do? What do you do? I, I genuinely don't know, and I think that's the biggest question that we have that's, that's not being talked about a lot. I think it's something that needs to be, or that will be addressed this off, sorry, not this off season, but this season as it continues to progress, if not even gets a lot of minutes because he was kind of projected to get some minutes this last season, especially after how well he played in the summer league, but he really didn't play a whole lot this season. He did get some minutes and uh, we know the coaching staff liked him a lot. He's put in a lot of work this offseason, said he's been picking J.J. Reddick's brain over the last year. So maybe he does take a leap this season. Maybe he does get a lot of minutes this season. But how does that work? That's the question. I think you can play Josh Hart as a, a backup three. I think you can play him with Brandon Ingram. I think you can play him at the two there. But... There are only so many minutes you can give out in an NBA basketball game. You know Eric Bledsoe is going to get a lot of minutes at the one. You know J.J. Redick and Josh Hart are going to get a lot of minutes. You know Lonzo is going to get a lot of minutes, especially given how much Stan Van Gundy has ranted and raved about Lonzo and Eric Bledsoe, and he's got a good relationship with J.J. Huh. There's a lot of moving pieces, folks, and 
the thing about that too is there aren't a lot of other wings on the roster besides Brandon Ingram. I mean, you got Brandon Ingram, you got Najee Marshall, you got Josh Hart. Do you count? I mean, Melly's a four. Wenyan Gabriel is kind of a three, four, five kind of guy. I don't, I don't know how that works out. I think you're going to have to spread the rotation, spread the minutes out pretty hefty in a pretty hefty fashion, at least to start the season, just in terms of one fitness, getting people's legs under them, just really figuring out what type of rotation you want to play with. But somebody's not going to get enough minutes here at that one, two kind of position, at the two more than likely. Uh, and I think the Pels are going to have to rely on not and Lonzo to play some one this season especially with how young Kyra is and how good Josh Hart and J.J. Redick are at what they do when they're on the court. So there's a, there's a lot that could happen. I, for right now, I, I'm betting that the starting lineup is going to be Bledsoe, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Zion, and Steven Adams, but that very well may turn into Eric Bledsoe, J.J. Redick, Eric Bledsoe, Josh Hart, and then 3-4-5, depending on injuries, depending on who feels more comfortable starting, depending on who they're playing against, scouting, all that. I have no freaking idea. If there's one thing you know that we like to do here on Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans is like is that we like to talk about options and, and potential. And there's a lot at the one and the two position this offseason. I can tell you that. And if I could talk about it all day, but I think uh, we've had our fill, and I don't need to give you any more anxiety than you already have, especially in the situation that we're currently in as a country. But, speaking of two guards, Josh Hart and J.J. Redick are currently living together at this moment in time. J.J. is staying with Josh Hart as J.J. continues to look for a place in New Orleans. And there is a little bit of a joke between <laughs> Josh Hart and the media where he said, they have a routine of Josh tucking JJ in, giving him a kiss on the forehead and waking him up in the morning. And I thought that had to be addressed. I thought that was so funny. Uh, Josh is a good dude and, and he's a joker, of course. Uh, and he and JJ clearly have a good relationship. JJ saw the tweet later on in the day and he said, none of this is factual. <laughs> so I thought that was funny too. But Josh did give a little bit more insight on the, on the team as well. He said he believes that the Pelicans are a playoff team. And he said that the rest of the team thinks they're a playoff team, too. And based on three things is what he said. He said toughness, camaraderie, and an amazing coaching staff. And he said believing that this team is a playoff team is half the battle. Now they just have to put all those three things into practice. And, I mean, when you look at toughness, you got Josh Hart, you got Eric Bledsoe, you got Steven Adams, I would say J.J. Redick. And Zion Williamson is a big enough body to where you can say he's tough, even though uh, he doesn't necessarily have that sort of reputation like a Steven Adams or like an Eric Bledsoe on this roster. And then you look at that second point, camaraderie. And a lot of this team has returned from this previous season. I mean, Josh Hart, Brendan Ingram, J.J. Redick, Zion Williamson, Lonzo Ball, Jackson Hayes. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Nikhil O'Melly, Sindarius Thornwell, all those guys are back for this coming season. So the camaraderie is there. You know Steven Adams is a good guy that will willingly take somebody under their wing, under his wing and lead this team as well. And 
JJ said it in his press conference today, or, or sorry, his, his media session, not today, but a few days ago, that the team last year was filled with some of the best people he's ever been around in the league. And again, I don't think JJ Redick is a guy to BS that type of stuff. I think he's sincere. I think he, he means the things that he says. And then that last point is the amazing coaching staff. And while we haven't seen a lot of them yet in New Orleans, I've ranted and raved about what Stan Van Gundy will bring to this roster, what he's brought to other teams, and what he will continue to do in New Orleans. So I think Josh Hart hit a lot of points there. And then you add in the fact that there's veteran leadership, but there's that youthful excitement that guys like Zion, that Brandon Ingram, that Josh Hart bring to this roster. Now that we're all caught up on every single media session that has ever happened in New Orleans, let's talk about today's media session with the Pelicans. And today's in sessions included Stan Van Gundy, Stephen Adams, Eric Bledsoe, and Wenyan Gabriel. This was first time for, for Gabriel speaking to the media in New Orleans, and I love him. I think you'll love him too. We'll get to that here in a second. But Stan Van Gundy, I mean, honestly, we heard a lot of the same stuff in today's media session. It's kind of boring. There wasn't much there wasn't much insight, but there were a few things to to take away and and we'll we'll give you those here. Stan Van Gundy said that there were some offensive installs today during their first practice. They'll be getting together tonight as well, but rather than focusing strictly on defense for two days in a row, Stan Van Gundy said that the team installed sets today, although they did no live work. Like yesterday, where there was some four-on-four, no five-on-five. They didn't do any sort, no three-on-three, no four-on-four, no one-on-one, nothing like that today. Just installments for the offense as the team starts to prepare to go forward. There was some stuff about culture and new players and stuff like that. It was, again, sort of a repeat of what we've already heard. And then Steven Adams was up, and he talked about his role on defense, helping with transition defense and pick-and-roll defense. And he was very matter-of-fact about a lot of things, and he's really fun to listen to. If you haven't been able to listen to these media sessions yet, I'm going to say go on YouTube. They'll have them recorded separately from the Pelicans and listen to every single Steven Adams one so far. He's a blast. He says mate all the time, and he's really funny. But today what he talked about is where he'll fill his role on defense, and that's transition defense and pick-and-roll defense. And two big things in the NBA makes a lot of sense. That's what he's going to do. Uh, and he kind of elaborated a little bit more on that. Also said that, well, he sort of talked about his assist increase, and rather than giving credit to himself, which is not something he does, he, he made sure to emphasize the fact that his teammates made shots. And also said that as offenses have continued to evolve in the NBA, there's a lot of DHOs, dribble handoffs, for those of you who don't know, and therefore that's been getting him more assists as his Career has gone on, although he is known for his ability to pass the ball. Eric Bledsoe, I've mentioned a few times, as not being the most talkative dude in the world. There really wasn't much to, to glean from his time with the media today, but he did talk a little bit about his relationship with Kyra Lewis so far. We saw a picture from the Pelicans Twitter, those two sitting together, and Kyra finessing the nice chair between the two him and the veteran and Eric Bledsoe. But some things that Bledsoe said about their relationship is that he did get to talk to Kyra about him and his speed. The fact that, well, 
one, he is super fast and kind of been comped to De'Aaron Fox for a reason. But he also said there were some things that he will have to slow down on that he told him to slow down on, to really work on, to really hone certain parts of his game, really hone his craft. And the fact that Kyra is not just really fast, but the fact that he was playing so fast because he's excited and and ready to be in New Orleans and and play for the Pelicans. So that's some good stuff to hear. And and Eric Bledsoe talked about that pretty, not super in-depth, but enough for us to get an idea of what that's been like. He was also asked a little bit about Zion and, and what he's learned about Zion so far. And one thing that he said that did get a little bit of traction on my Twitter is the fact that the thing, one of the main things that he didn't know about Zion is that he's a really good person on and off the court, which is cool. I mean, we talk strictly basketball pretty much here on this podcast, but it's good to know stuff about that in terms of personality and some more personal stuff from your favorite team's players. Cool stuff to hear. Now to Wenyan Gabriel. This part of the media session, I mean, Gabriel got to talk about his, about the tangible part of his game, but also some of the intangible stuff that he brings to the table. If you want to hear more about that, we did have Stevie Cousins of the Rip City Project on the podcast super recently. I don't think it was our most previous podcast, but most recent podcast, but it was pretty recent and he did an awesome job of breaking down who Wenyan Gabriel is, what he'll bring to the table. But hearing it straight from Gabriel was cool. In today's media session, he said that he'll be really complimentary to the Pelicans roster with his speed, with his intensity, with his defense, with his shooting. But he also made sure to say that he has a lot of room to grow and he's been working on all of those things to help this team going forward. He said he's been working on basically everything possible and he didn't say that verbatim, but he listed out all the things that he's been working on. Gabriel was a real treat to listen to, honestly. Like I've really enjoyed listening to Steven Adams because of how funny and and straightforward he is, but Gabriel was really, really well-spoken, very self-aware, really good with the media, very honest, very genuine. And I think Pelicans fans are not just going to love him because of who he is on the court, the intensity that it brings, the complimentary things that he does for this team, but who he will be with the media because he was really fun today. Today was, like I said, his his first appearance with the media, but you wouldn't know. He was just very kind, very genuine, and he was really fun to listen to. So I would recommend listening to that one for sure as well. Now, now that we have that out of the way, let's talk some actual basketball that will be coming to us within the next two weeks what's the date today the seventh so a little over two weeks pelicans will play their first game on the 23rd the schedule was released just a few days ago and the pelicans will be on national television 19 times in their first 37 games and other nba fans are salty and they can suck it That's all I have to say about that. Not really. We're going to dive in a little bit more right now. I'm going to go a little bit in on this part, kind of like our friend at Locked In Pelicans, Locked On Pelicans, I should say, Jake Madison did. Uh, He said he only swore once, but you know me, I might swear a little bit more than that. So basically, like I said, we've been hearing this from other teams, other, other fans of teams and such. And let's let's break this down for a second here. So at the top of the league, in terms of 
national games being broadcasted, it's going to be the Lakers. Obviously. Reigning NBA champs, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, bunch of new additions. That It makes sense. They're at the top. And like I said, I said it just a second ago that there were 19 national televised games. This list that I found here is a little bit different because it doesn't include NBA TV. So retract the 19 games, retract five games that are on NBA TV. And the Lakers have 17 games that are on national television. The Celtics, the Mavs, the Pels, and the Warriors have 14. So again, that's not including NBA TV games. That's ESPN, that's TNT, that's ABC, those networks. So like I just said, Celtics, Mavs, Pels, Warriors at 14 with other, with, with national televised games, I should say. The Celtics, that's a talented young core, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. They got some offseason additions in Tristan Thompson, and they still have Kemba Walker, and they got Aaron Neesmith in the draft. They don't have Eric Gordon Hayward anymore. So things are mixed up. They're also... Like the Celtics, or sorry, excuse me, like the Lakers, they're a nationally known team. If the Knicks were as good as the Celtics or the Lakers, they'd be on national television all the time. Mavericks, they got Luka, who's in the running for MVP. Really improved defense with the guys that they brought in from the draft. And then Josh Richardson, they got Chris Tops Porzingis. They have a really good coach in Rick Carlisle. So they've got a lot of things. The, the Pelicans, we'll talk about here in a second. The Warriors coming off a bad season with a decent amount of their dynastic team coming back, Steph Curry. Then you also added James Wiseman, Clay Thompson with the Achilles injury, which sucks. Draymond coming back. They got Kelly Oubre. They'll be fun to watch, and they're the freaking Warriors. They went to the finals five times out of the last six years, so... There's that. And then following those teams, the Celtics, Mavs, Pels, and Warriors, I'm not going to go with numbers for every one of these guys or every one of these teams, but it's the Nets, the Bucks, the Clippers, and the Heat. The Nets have 13 games. I mean, it's essentially the same, but we don't know what KD's going to look like after his injury. We know what the Bucks are. They didn't make it to the even the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Finally have two-time MVP, but he can't shoot. And the Bucks are the same all the time, Mike Budenholzer doesn't change anything. Yes, they had a Drew Holiday, but we'll see how much that moves the needle for him. That's not an indictment on Drew. That's an indictment on the Bucks. Clippers are just kind of a shit show. Lost a lot of the NBA fandom with how bad they were in the playoffs coming back. The, the Nuggets came back from that 3-1 deficit and beat them. The Heat didn't look good in the finals, really. They're entertaining, they're hardworking, but eh, I don't. a lot of people probably don't expect them to go back to the finals. So there's that. But they did still, they were in that top echelon of amount of teams that have nationally televised games. The sentiment that we've heard a lot of around NBA Twitter is... Why aren't we seeing more of the Hawks? Or why aren't we seeing more of the Grizzlies? What has Trey Young done? Is he fun to watch? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Does he play defense? Mm Mm-mm. Were the Hawks good last season? No. They were really bad, actually. Adding Danilo Gallinari 
Clint Capella, Rajon Rondo, and Bogdan Bogdanovich. While interesting, I don't know that that takes you immediately to the top of nationally televised games. I'm going to watch them when they're on TV. This is not, again, it's not an indictment of the Hawks. It's an indictment of the fans that are freaking out. I mean, they're a young team. They're going to be good. I think they're going to get into the playoffs, especially now that the, the playoffs have been expanded to 10 teams in each conference. But what have the Hawks done? What has Trey Young done? That team was horrid this last season, and they're going to look different this year, but that's a stretch. Also, they're in the East. Like, strength of schedule matters. You're not going to watch Trey Young and the Hawks play the Pacers on national television. That just doesn't sound, that doesn't intrigue me. That doesn't make me want to watch basketball. I don't want to watch the Hawks play the Magic. Sorry. The Eastern Conference sucks. Blame the Hawks and the fact that they're in the Eastern Conference for that, not the NBA for wanting to get Zion Williamson on national TV. And okay, the Grizzlies, I saw a tweet on Twitter from a like a really big Grizzlies account that annoys the living shit out of me. It's I don't remember what it's called, but it's annoying. And I think it's made in Memphis. It's a garbage account. But the tweet said, oh, I forgot ja, something about Ja Morant winning Rookie of the Year last year. Shut up. Shut up. I'm not going to give this this account much more time because it's it's unnecessary. But Zion is definitely better than Jaw. He might be getting a little bit more hate right now because ESPN is pushing for him to be the next star, the guy that brings eyes to the TV, which he will do. And, and NBA nuts are getting upset about that for whatever reason i mean he's good at basketball why would nba why would the nba not push for him to be on tv jaw is phenomenal i like watching him play basketball i liked watching the grizzlies play basketball but one the pels beat the crap out of them every time they played last season the pelicans are better they got more additions their draft was not as good as the grizzlies but they still got kyra lewis I mean, a new coach, most improved player in Brandon Ingram, a lottery pick addition of the roster, Lonzo switching positions. There's a lot of things going on around the Pelicans that aren't just Zion Williamson. Is Zion a really big part of it? Yeah. But to not have this team regularly in a national slot would be stupid. Let's look at the games that are going to be on national television. And you tell me you don't want to watch these games. Pelicans versus Miami. Pelicans versus Phoenix. Toronto. Charlotte. Dallas. Los Angeles Clippers. Los Angeles Lakers. Utah twice. Milwaukee. Phoenix again. Houston. Dallas. Memphis. Boston. Milwaukee. San Antonio. Utah. And Miami again. And those are all good teams, and there's a lot of good teams that the Pelicans are playing that just had to be left off this national stage, i.e. Portland, Toronto, San Antonio, Indiana. All of those games that I listed, <clears throat> very watchable. Very watchable for casual NBA fans. Maybe not so much those last four, but those last four aren't on national television, and that's probably for a good reason. But when you're playing teams like the... 
NBA sec- or runners up last season. The Phoenix Suns are going to be really interesting. The Hornets, when it's the Ball Brothers versus each other. Dallas and Luka and both the Los Angeles teams. Utah, and both of those games were incredibly entertaining last year. It doesn't make any sense to not put the Pelicans on national TV. And if you're complaining about it, shut up. Get over it. It's happening no matter what. It's ridiculous for people to get upset about. If you're really that invested, you're probably within the market, and you can probably watch it on local cable or YouTube TV or Hulu, depending on if you're not with Fox or whatever. It's stupid. It's really stupid. It's really, really stupid. And that's all I have to say about that. We will preview these games as the the Pelicans continue to move on into the season, and we'll definitely make sure to preview that very first game against the Toronto Raptors. With that said, the Pelicans released a video with Antonio Daniels, Daniel Salerson, and Caroline Gonzalez talking a little bit about the schedule. If you want to check that out, again, that's on the YouTube channel for the New Orleans Pelicans. And that's today's episode. Folks, thanks so much for tuning in today. Again, I think I mentioned it last week. Got some really big news coming up, so you're going to want to stick around for that. Uh, I'm very excited to share that with you, you, you Pelicans listeners, you Pelicans fans. So definitely uh, keep keep your eyes open for some podcasts coming up here soon and, and keep your eyes on on Twitter at Elliot Clough. With that said, go follow at Elliot Clough on Twitter. Make sure you subscribe and or follow depending on where you are listening to this podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts, you leave a rate and review. That really, really helps us out. Go check out thebirdrights.com and believe.com to listen to other podcasts and check out some Pelicans content. Folks, once again, I am Elliot Clough at Elliot Clough. On the Twitter, this was Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.